Another one of our sponsors I'm excited to tell you about is actually another podcast. It's called People of Product. And it's really about kind of highlighting the way people come together in innovative ways and create all the digital products that seem to be in every part of our lives. And what I think I like the most is that these guys are speaking from experience. You know, we had George Brooks on our show. And besides that, he's like a really genuine human being, just super knowledgeable at creating way more effective teams to get this kind of stuff done. And I really can't recommend it enough. You can find them anywhere that you get your podcasts and I recommend you checking out People of Product. So longtime listeners of the show will probably remember Jay Davis, who's been on a number of times. Well, in addition to being a friend and a consulting client, I'm excited to say now that he's also a sponsor of this show. Last year, when I was spending a lot of time at his company's office, he started a new company called PillowCube, which is this awesome memory foam rectangle pillow. That's tall enough for me to be a side sleeper, but not have to have my head sag down like when I try to fold over my regular pillows. It's really pretty amazing, and for any side sleepers like me, it's great so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to pillowcube.com and getting one for yourself. System. How to go from selling to leading. And it's a seven-step framework that that I've I've developed over the years to help somebody create cross the bridge of of being great themselves and being being great at helping other people be great. And and I think you're right because it go it transcends sales leaders. It's it's anybody. Think about like dentists, a, a dentist who's been in school for 12 years and is really good at being a dentist. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got my friend Ben Ward. Ben, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I definitely want to talk about your new book that's out. I, I want to talk about just sex. I think one of the things that I like the most about you is is the level of granularity that you think about for growing sales teams. So I want to dive into that. But let's talk about a couple of the other interesting things, you know, building a company that goes public with 2000 employees, you know, being a healthcare administrator, doing so much in sales. T- tell us a little bit, like, how do you describe your background? Yeah, you know, I I got my start doing door-to-door sales and I loved the element of building a team, growing a team, helping to to help them each be successful, scaling the team into a region and built for 10 years. I did door-to-door sales and, and running regions of sales teams all over America. And then I started a company doing the same thing with a bundled service. And we were bouncing all around. We had some incredible success and some epic failures along that along that journey. Like so many, so many experienced ups and downs of life. I've definitely felt that. At one point, we took our company public. Uh, we had two thousand sales reps nationwide, and and it was just incredible. And uh, within a few years, I had lost everything. Essentially, through as I look back through my own recklessness, there's you know hindsight's twenty twenty. But I put putting the cart before the horse, and we sold a lot. But then we didn't have the right operational structure. And so we watched that come crashing down. And, and through that whole process, the ups and the downs, the success and the failure, I've, I learned that my extreme passion comes, comes down to 
growing and developing people and really starting with myself, going and developing myself and then showing up, you know, how do I show up the, the very best that I can to help unlock and unleash the best within others? That's, that's a little bit of, of a uh, little bit of a uh, bird's eye view of my, of my journey. Sure. So from there, you know, I will say this. I think one of the most fun things about all the calls I get to have with you is the poster behind your head of like having been a former San Clemente resident, getting to look at the San Clemente pier, which always looks like, like I'm looking out the window instead of seeing your poster. Okay. But it's so, so funny. So many people tell me like, Whoa, you're right by the beach. Like your window's the beach. That's amazing. It's a good, good poster. Good poster. Yeah. So you think about those those ups and those downs and kind of where you're at in your career now of, of having that under your belt to maybe proceed proceed with those lessons in mind. Tell us how t- tell us about the book and then I and I have some then I have some specific questions. What's your what's your elevator pitch on the book? Absolutely. So I've found through my experience that something very obvious <laughs> that being really good at sales and being good as a leader, leading other people in sales are two totally different skill sets, right? So somebody that's, that's excellent at selling themselves, what naturally happens, and this is part of the problem that I, that I uncovered through my experience is that, that somebody good at sales naturally tends to get promoted into leadership roles to try to help other people do what they've done. Right. And so it's, it's a problem because the skill sets are different. They don't, they don't necessarily translate. And I found a majority of the high-performing salespeople really struggle when it comes to, to leading other people. And so I, over the years, I, I uncover, I, I recognize this. In fact, the backstory was Brian Tracy, one of my heroes and, and one of my mentors came and about 15 years ago did a, a mastermind retreat with a group of us sales leaders. And we talked about this. He actually talked about it with in his in a living room at a at a cabin in Oakley with us. And he basically is like, you know what? I've seen a big problem is that that the promotion into leadership, you know, there's there's it's usually pretty tough. It's usually pretty rough. And we're all like, yeah, like, and that planted a seed from that day on what is the pathway to successfully transition somebody in that scenario that's transitioning in. And, and are there is there a bridge that kind of that kind of bridges the canyon of the, the gap between sales and leadership. And I found that there's a, a common set of ingredients and there's a pathway. In fact, I put it together in, in what I call, I put, I wrote the book Sellership with a good friend of mine, Greg Reed and, and Brian Tracy, my, my heroes wrote, wrote the foreword. And it's been fun collaborating with him on this because looking back to that original meeting that we talked about this very thing and, and finding some ingredients to help that go right. So that's what Sellership just came out. Super excited about it. It's, it's the pathway for somebody good at sales transitioning into leadership. Well, I, I got my copy and I, I've, I've left my five-star Amazon review. You know, I, I think about this and I think I would love to dive into this. By the way, before we do that, I've heard your story before about Brian Tracy, but not the Oakley part, like Oakley sunglasses? Oakley, Oakley, Utah. Oh, there's that's a, funny. There's a little place. Yeah, just a little a, a cabin. It's one of the one of the founders of, of New Skin. They, they had a, a cabin up there. Oh, okay. So I'm just thinking because the, you know, the founders of Oakley, San Clemente Connections, Anyways, with their family there. So my my question for you, I think one of the first questions I have about this is I think, do you th- I, I wonder, is part of that, you know, individuals who have done really well at sales individually, like you and I 
you know, have and, and maybe produce those like really uncommon numbers. I wonder right. if sometimes there's like, it's hard for us to understand why people don't get things that come natural to us. Like we didn't have to learn it. So we don't, we didn't have to learn it academically. So we don't know how to teach it academically or something. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yes, absolutely. You know, I think that making the switch into leadership is a, is a struggle for a few reasons. One, because when you're selling like the spotlights on you, like if you're selling for a company, you know, and the spotlight's on you and, and it's all about you. And, and you're out there trying to serve customers and help people out. And, but it all, at the end of the day, you're, you get the credit for it. Salespeople get paid well. It's like the spotlight's on you. And it, it really is about you performing. And, and so transitioning into, into the leadership role, it's really challenging. One, one of the biggest things I've found is that it, it stops being about you, but as a, as a, as a new sales leader, you're used to having it like all the glory and all the, and so you're like, Hey, my team's doing awesome. And, and we make it about ourselves. And, and the, the biggest challenge is to earn the respect, the authentic respect of the people we lead. Cause if we don't earn that, you're not going to be, you're not gonna be a, a leader very long. And that's where so many people go wrong. And how do you, how do you make that shift that, that mental shift going from me to we, right? Going from, from it's, it's all about, you know, me hitting my numbers to listen, we hit our, we hit our numbers and, you know, before I get the trophy, but now like giving that trophy away, giving that credit away to other people is one of the, one of the challenges a lot of people have and and the leaders that try to keep credit for themselves, because that's what they're used to. Those are the leaders that, that find themselves just, struggling with their team and, and the team members and having that, that culture and team that's thriving. It's one last thought on, on this is it's like the window in the mirror principle, right? Where it's like, you know, when things, when things go right and they're amazing, like a, a salesperson oftentimes kind of looks in a mirror and is like, sweet, I did that. But as a leader, when things go right, you, you gotta look out the window on who you can give the credit too. And that shift is a little bit of a, of a struggle for, for, especially for new sales leaders. <laughs> you know, I remember when we had our whole team read good to great when we were running the fund in Calgary and my one partner, John, like we kind of latched onto that one. He went and made these little mirrors for me and my other partner. And that like sat on my desk for years of this, like this little mirror and, you know, with his little quote underneath of it for that exact reason. You know, I think about, it's funny you know, you've got this like superstar careers selling like literally millions and millions, millions of dollars of stuff. And then you go over to Plum Healthcare. And for me, I think about like, you know, I was selling millions and millions of dollars of financial products, you know, at our investment fund. And then I took a break and went to the Arbinger Institute of which Plum Healthcare was a huge client, you know? Yes. And so I didn't, I didn't really know many people at Plum. I knew some former people from Plum. But our folks went down there and made videos about it. You know, the Arbinger people went and made videos about it. And I was just um, so impressed with the way that they played the game differently. Can, can you talk about this idea of like, everybody say, says they care about patients, but those guys have this like incredible reputation of like, I don't know, like, like a, just a very like human to human interaction instead of this job title to patient interaction, at least as far as my observation. I love that. And, you know, I'll, I'll share with you. So a mentor of mine, 
Ron Funk. He was he he was the leader. I, I served a mission for my church, and he was the leader of of the mission. And when I was doing my door to door sales and having some pretty unique success while I was in college and those different things, and so ten years I was doing that, he would always joke with me. He'd be like, "Ben, you know, when you're done trick or treating." Cause like, we're like knocking doors, right? We have teams knocking doors. It's like, when you're done trick or treating, you know, there's this company that my son is one of the, you know, one of the, the main guys there and it's, it's called Plum Healthcare. And, but he knew how passionate I am and was about leadership development. Cause I would tell him like, no, Ron, like I'm building future leaders out here. These, these salespeople and these lead, these sales managers, they're running teams and, and like, these are the future leaders of, of the world. These are incredible. And that's my passion. And he's like, okay, cool. You know, when you're done trick-or-treating plum healthcare, you know, maybe look at, maybe look at them because they have a leadership development culture that's anchored, that's in the healthcare space. And he planted that seed. And as I, you know, ended up losing my company and crashing to the ground, you know, I, I'm like, do I start another one or do I go? And, and so I, or do I go and maybe maybe check out this Plum Healthcare, this leadership development company? And what I found as I started looking into it was they were so passionate about people and about seeing people. Like you're just like you're just talking about that you were, you saw that from the Arbinger side. And in fact, I, I I have I'll tell you that, but I have to tell you, I gave Ron a book. This is how it all started. My with 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 one of my mentors, I gave him a book, Leadership and Self Deception. I was like I was like Ron. This, this book reminds me of you. And that's how it all started. He's like, he's just, he was just like, oh my goodness. Like my son like works with essentially this organization, Plum Healthcare, who adopts all these principles and then you would love that. And so that, that's kind of how the seed got planted. And when I found, when I went in to see what they were actually about, you know, when my company, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, my company fell, lost my house, lost my cars, lost everything, you know, just a whole, a whole nother story that I'm happy to share sometime. But I saw how authentic Plum was in developing people, and I had to be a part of it. And so I went and did that for, for almost five years and ran. I uh, was the CEO of one of, their, one of their healthcare facilities and just loved the way they operated. And so it's cool connection between us there, Jess. Yeah, you know, you think about how dehumanizing healthcare has become in certain ways and people getting treated like numbers and you know, the, the staff are given such restrictive policies. Like it's almost like policies keep them from caring about people. And, you know, like the, the failures in our healthcare system are so well-documented and, and often in a way that makes them seem inescapable. Right. And then I watch these videos about what you guys did at Plum and I'm like, Oh, those aren't inescapable. <laughs> look, look at that. <laughs> look at people live, look at people who, are in the same world with the same regulations, executing so drastically different. Uh, it's really optim. It's like optimism producing in me. It's so true. I feel the same way. And you know, it's there's. It's kind of like one of the biggest things. If there's one thing I could share with with those who are listening as a takeaway from what worked with Plum in applying these principles, it it's a, it comes down to honor. And there's you know, an honor comes down to the way that we see. How do we see this human being in front of us? Do we see them as, a, as an object and, or do we see them as a human and a, a person with needs and joy and fear? Now, an object, there's kind of like three ways that we objectify people. And Jess, you know all this stuff. This is, you've taught this to the world. 
And, but I just love the application of, of when a company commits to really try, nobody's perfect at it, but really try to honor people in the way that we see them as people and not objects. The three objects is, you know, an obstacle, right? It's like, they're just in our way. It's like this chair, right? This chair, oh, just push the chair out of the way. It's in my way. I got to get, get past, right? There, there's, there's, so one of the objects is an obstacle that maybe sometimes with people, they're just an obstacle in our way to get us from, we're headed to this another meeting. There's another person who just, hey, bulldoze over, get out of my way. Obstacles, vehicles, you know, where people are just a vehicle to get what I want. And that happens so often in life as humans, like we do that. It happens in business. Like one example, just that I just think of the first one out of my top of my head, Jess, is when I just, I don't know why this pops in my mind, but when I was in, I remember my sixth grade dance and it was the first dance I went to. And I, I remember having a crush on this girl and I was scared to death. I wasn't going to ask her. There's no way I was going to ask her to, to dance. So I found somebody that I was less, that I wasn't scared of. And I asked her to dance. And then I went as close as I could. This is embarrassing to tell you, but I went as close as I could to that girl I really wanted to. Made sure she saw me dance with this other girl. And I just looked back and I'm like, what a, I mean, we do that as humans. It's, but what a terrible thing that I totally, this other girl is just an object, just totally a vehicle. Like I object that she was an object to me because she was a vehicle for me to get what I wanted, which was the attention of that other girl. And I found that we do that in business. We, and the more that we're aware and try to, to, to move from having people as objects to, to really having seeing people as they are as human beings, it just, we're intuitive and we feel, we can tell, think about somebody in your life that you feel like sees you and you're like, man, I feel great around them. I'm inspired by them. They see me. And that's true leadership. And at Plum, man, they tried hard. And again, they're, they're amazing at it. They're like, as an organization, they're not perfect, but nor, nor anybody would be, but they tried to honor people as people. And I just, yeah. I have so much respect for that. You know, the stuff, I mean, those methodologies really changed my life. And, and, you know, diving even deeper, like, so Terry Warner, the guy kind of started the Arbinger Institute, you know, Yale PhD, taught at Oxford, taught, taught university here in the States for years and years. Right. And like his book bonds that make us free is like, got to be like my favorite book of all time. Okay. But he, you know, you talk to him and like, I think this was from him. He, he talked to me about this idea of like, am I looking at people in terms of my agenda? Like, do I, cause and I guess this struck out with me. Maybe this is my, my interpretation of him or something. Maybe he didn't actually say it. But like the way I encapsulated it was like, I, I know that very often I would get hyper-focused on my goals. Talk about sales guy. My goals, my success, my company's winning, right? And it's like, start sorting people. Like, you help my agenda. You hurt my agenda. You don't matter to my agenda. You know? Yes. And this is self-focus. Yes. We're like literally just like sorting the world in terms of my agenda. Right. And like, I think about it like as a parent, I think about my feelings as a father and like, how often am I in the same room with my kids, but not actually present with them? Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah, so I have to do things like start going like, okay, the kitchen, you know, I'm such an audiobook addict, right? Okay. The kitchen is a no headphone zone. If there's another person in the kitchen at the same time as me, the rule is I have to take my headphones out. And then that natural boredom will lead to a conversation that is a real conversation. It's not a, oh, let me pause my book for a second. What was that? You know? And I like, how, I like 
apparently I've got a lot of work left to do, but I have to like make rules for myself on some of this stuff. And I think I was talking about this. Dude, that's show. awesome. Recently. I love that. Actually, that's good. That's good advice. Actually. I, I, I love that. I think that's well articulated and I feel like I need to do more of that. So I'm going to take your advice on that. Thank you. One of my mentors, he was episode number one. And then he, we had him on like episode number 540 or something recently. Chip youth SWAT team commander from Kansas city PD. Now he's promoted. He's big captain, but I hear his voice in my ears all the time at grocery stores because again, you know, I'm always, if I'm not doing a podcast or selling somebody something or advising some CEO, I am for sure on an audiobook, Right. And I go to the grocery store and it's like, I'm in line listening to my book. And all of a sudden I start getting closer to the front and all of a sudden I hear Chip Huth in the, my back of my head going, take your dang headphones out and treat this cashier like a real live human being, mm. <laughs> you know? And he's like this big, like, you know, hundred chin ups, tough guy, SWAT dude kind of thing. Right? <laughs> and he's like, I just see like the finger wagging, like, how dare you, how dare you treat this person like they don't matter, you know? And there's a lot of, anyways, that's a real temptation for me, you know? So I have to have these, like, I have to have these rules. And so like my rule is that I have to try to ask them a question that they can't give me a knee jerk response on. And like my, it's like a game. Can I get them to smile? Can I get them to like engage, you know? And so like, if anybody wants to use my trick, like the easy, my go-to is like, I just look around the store and I figure out if it's busy or not. And I'm like, if it's really busy, I just say hey, busy day today or slow day today. And they're not used to that question. And so they actually answer it. And then it starts a little conversation. And like, it's not like I get anything out of it other than like, like the good feeling of like doing a service. Like I definitely get more out of it than them actually of like, I got to make somebody's day better who could, who didn't do, who couldn't do anything for me, you know? So I love that. Yeah. Just that connection, that human connection. That's cool. I like that. But it's tough for me because as much of like a social animal as I am, like, I can get extremely task oriented and like, you know, I, 10 years ago when I was studying that stuff before going to work for those guys, you know, my in-house lawyer came and talked to me and was like, Hey, so-and-so on the team thinks you don't like her. And I was like, what? She's great. She's awesome. Why, why would she think that? Well, because you rush down here from, from your office on your floor and you come in this door and you're mm. looking straight in the window at her office and you walk right past it to the boardroom cause you're on a mission and you don't talk to her and you don't acknowledge her. And I'm like treating her like the furniture. Do you know what I mean? Wow. And, yeah. and it's like this line at the end of bonds that make us free where he says that like the most powerful trait is, is yielding to the truth in a situation, no matter the apparent cost. And I think about this idea mm. of like, it feels like it costs me something to pause my audiobook. It feels like it costs me something to not go straight to the boardroom and to stop and talk to some employee who I don't need anything from. We don't really have anything to talk about. Right. And yet it never is as expensive as it felt like. And in fact, I always feel better after, but it's like this temptation of like, Oh, that feels expensive to put my, to, to have my agenda yield to what I actually think I should do for this human. I, I appreciate your awareness on that. It makes me think of, of the, like the third obstacle. So like, like the third object. So like obstacles, vehicles in the third one is kind of what you're talking about right now, which is just, you know, irrelevant. Like, Sometimes we objectify people because they're just irrelevant. Like, like you're explaining in the, in the store, they the people around me, they're relevant. I'm doing my thing, you know, the checker irrelevant, but chips on your chips on your shoulder, not the bad chip on your shoulder, but like, <laughs> but the, but chips, they're like, Hey, Jess, like, Hey, you know, unplug and connect in and like 
this, this person matters is a human being connect with them. Like, and you know, you're the, the girl that you're talking about, you just, you just go past her. Maybe she felt from you that she was irrelevant. Like, and so there's like, well, I don't think Jess likes me. I don't, he doesn't even see me. He doesn't even notice. And I think your awareness around that and just like articulating that now, like how often do we do that where people around us are just, they're, you know, they're, they, they just don't even matter. And when we unplug and connect in with people and, and, you know, one of the biggest needs we have, I found in leadership, the, the people we lead, they need to feel like they matter. They need to feel like they're important to, to, to us and, and to others around them and connected in. And as a leader, as we can facilitate that to, to help people feel like they matter, like they're seen, like we see them. And that's one of the most valuable, most powerful, intangible leadership skills, practices, tools, and just not even skills, just way of being that, that, that some of the best leaders in the world are just great at helping people feel seen and feel like they matter. You know, have you read Daniel Coyle's book, The Talent Code? I have, yeah. It just makes me think about that. Oh, no, not The Talent Code, The Culture Code. Culture Code. It makes me think about that, like the the Spurs basketball team coach who like, you know, it, when you say that, I think it can come across as like fuzzy and like, oh, we just need to love everyone and not, you know, not need to keep people, not like keep people accountable or something, right? No, he yells at people. He gives them the gears. He, you know what I mean? Like, right. And, and so my point is he hear these stories about like, he memorizes what their favorite wine is. And he, he, he like makes reservations for them in a fancy restaurant. He does stuff that coaches don't have to do. I think it's about the unexpectedness. This is a, this is a, a suspicion I have. I mean, interested in your, your thoughts is it's like, what are, like, how do people feel really seen? It's doing something, connecting with them in a way that's not socially required. Like think about how many politicians are like socially required to know everybody's name because you heard about how JFK knew everybody's name or some story like that. Right. And so this idea of like asking them the question they're not expecting, remembering something not expecting, but like this basketball, NBA basketball coach, they win all the time, but he's always like hugging people. And he like, he actually knows about people's problems and he's like, he cares about them in a way that is not just socially required. Anyways, that's the story that came to mind when you were talking there. Yeah. Coach Popovich, man, he's, he's, yeah. he, Change, change the way just because he honored people. He saw them for who they are and he drew out the best within them. And kind of like, my, I'll share with you, like my Popovich, so to speak, the, the person in my life is, that's like, like that's, that's helped to inspire me. Like the, the one ingredient, the one key thing is, is I felt seen by him because of this. I knew that he had confidence in me mm. and I knew it. And, and I believed, and I knew that he believed in me. And so here's the story. And, and here's how I, I knew. And it goes back when I was a, when I was a teenager, just trying a punk teenager, trying to figure out who I was. And I was in a hallway and he was on the other side of this hall and I was walking. He couldn't see me. I could, I didn't know. I couldn't see. He was talking to somebody else and I heard my name and I was just like, Whoa. I like froze. I was just like, What's, and I, and like, I stopped so they couldn't see me. Two people talking. I didn't know who they were and went on to listen. And one of them said to the other person, that Ben Ward, that's when I froze. I'm like, wait, what? What's he going to say? Like, and he's like, I would invest in stock in Ben Ward. And I was just like, I was like, what? Like, like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I listened in for a minute and they were just, and I just heard 
these words of confidence that they didn't know that I, that he didn't know I was there. And I found out he was Doug Johnson, one of the leaders, one of my young men leaders at my church. And the Doug Johnson, he just was talking to somebody else just casually and just sharing like, Hey, yeah, man, that Ben Ward. And here's the thing. When Doug Johnson, when he would show up to my baseball games, I played better. Mm-hmm. Like I hit the ball better and I made less errors because I would see him in the stand and I'd be like, Doug's here. And I knew that he believed in me. And so I would rise up to the level of, of his confidence. And I knew he had confidence in me from that experience I shared. Plus others, I just felt it from him because he did genuinely and it came out of him. We're intuitive. We can tell when somebody doesn't have confidence in us. And, but when somebody does, he gave me this gift, this gift of, of knowing that he believed in me. And that right there, that's like my coach Popovich like story, so to speak, where he saw me and in his presence, like I became a better person. It's almost like what, what, oh, you go ahead, interject and I'll I'll jump in after that. You know, so my grandpa bridge, our listeners have heard about him before. He's my hero. My mom's dad is that guy for me. Okay. Self-made millionaire. All the 65 grandkids thought they were his special grandkid. I, they were obviously delusional. (laughs) It was obviously me. Okay. But just, I mean, just smiled at everybody, stopped people on the street to introduce himself, even though he's like, you know, one of the kind of like the most famous guy in town kind of thing, you know, right. And (laughs) just like very genuine that way. And I thought about this and I thought, what about staff of mine who I don't have huge confidence in? What do I do then as you were talking? Yes. And I thought, you know, you know what, maybe I don't have huge confidence in their current skill set, but you know what I do have confidence in the human ability to adapt and grow. Like the silence, the science of how myelin wraps in our brain through meaningful repetitions outside the comfort zone with a feedback loop, you know, and I think about their leadership skills or or really any skills. And it's like, you know what? I could sit down with them and have like the hard talk about where their skills are not meeting expectations and still express confidence in them about, about the pattern of training that I think could have them reach the level it's at. Like I could have the belief in their potential and I could very genuinely get behind them on that and care about them and support them there. Cause it's going to, it's going to be what saves their job. Like they're going to need to improve to stay with us. Right. And even, even though maybe I don't have as much confidence in where they're at, I thought, how could I genuinely do that? And that's, that's what came to mind to me. Any, any ideas? Give me some coaching. There. Yeah, absolutely. So what I found is a couple things. If is, I've learned that if, if I don't have confidence in somebody that I lead, what am I going to do about it as a leader? So the first thing that I've, that I've tried to do, cause that happens, that's a natural thing. There's some people that, that it's like, I'm not confident in this person. So what do you do? Right. That exact scenario you're talking about. First thing, where can you be confident in them and start there? And then here's the thing. If there's nowhere to be confident in them, what are they doing on your team? That's on you as a leader, right? And so that's where the starting point is, okay, I'm struggling. I don't have confidence in this person. Let's get real. Like, you know, where, where am I really at? What's going on? Where are they really at? And starting with, you know, even bef- the real start is how am I part of the problem? How am I contributing? How am I showing up to like be a problem to where this person's just, it's not, I'm not confident in them. It's not working out. It's like not good at I don't believe in them. Right. And if we don't believe in the people that we lead, what are we doing? What are we doing about it? And the first key is starting first. Like, what are they great at? Are we putting them in that role where they should be great? 
where they are great? Or do we have them in places where they, they're, they're not going to succeed because that's not their strength? And, or, or they could if they, get the, if, if they got enough training and coaching, they want to be there and they're hungry and they're coachable and teachable. So kind of got to assess it. But at the end of the day, if, if that person is not, you know, if it's like you have good reason to not be confident in them, like, yeah, we're all human beings. Every human being on the planet has the potential to be, to be great, but certain people aren't great at certain roles. And what are we doing about it? And, and are we having the necessary conversations, the, the crucial conversations, the radical candor that's needed when we're working in, to grow and develop our, our teams? So that's, those are my thoughts there. Yeah. You know, I'm interested in an idea. You, I know you get paid these big bucks to go speak to all these sales organizations and, and all sorts of companies. I've never asked you this before. What, what do you feel like you get the best response on when you're giving these talks? What, what gets the biggest response? As far as content or yeah. are, you, are you, yeah. You know, one of the biggest response that I, that I, the, the people love a couple things. There's a couple different, different content pieces. One of them is the four laws of leadership and the four laws of leadership are absolutely at the heart of everything that I've, that I've experienced, that I've learned as I've led teams, sales teams in the trenches for 20 years. And in how to effectively inspire the very best results in the people that you lead. And these four laws, I actually have a chapter about them in, in, uh, in my book, Sellership. And the four laws of leadership, um, chapter chapter nine. And Dan is the, it's a story. It's a fictional story. Dan is the, the mentor and he shares, he's like, you know, the four laws are kind of like the crown at the top of everything that I've learned. And let me share one of the laws with you. Actually, I already shared, I shared law three with you already about confidence. They have to know that you have confidence in them, but let me share law four because this people like I've found people come back and share with me or email me or like different, different scenarios where it's like this law has been super meaningful and there's a great response from it. But law four is they have to know and they have to believe that you would take a bullet for them. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about a physical bullet. I'm talking about, you know, taking one for the team. We hear it say like the leader that's willing to sort of step in front and be like, Hey, you know what? Like, my bad, that was on me. And allow the people they lead to save face because it's very easy as a leader to point fingers and be like, oh, these guys just didn't do it. But the reality is, you know, did we set the proper expectation as a leader? Was there extreme clarity? And we go on the, the list of things that we as a leader need to look at was when we, when we hold accountability to, to our team members. And so a leader that's, that's, Jess, if, if you're my leader and you're, you, you're the team, you, you're my manager and I work for you, if I believed that you would take a bullet for me because I've experienced it, where Jess is like, no, hey, guys, that's on me. No, you know, if I, if I make a mistake and you're like, oh, I, I didn't show him this, like by you taking a bullet, that's going to lead me to, to, to anchor in a respect, trust, and want to follow you anywhere. Let me give you one example. I'll never forget. I went undercover at, at one of our warehouses and I was, I was in charge of all the leadership training and development and culture for a large direct sales organization. And I went undercover and I, I was, was going to be a, a pallet jack on the floor. And I, I was going to, that was going to be my role. And, and I had a trainer whose name was T and 
T about an hour into the training. He didn't know who I was. I was just dressed in grubbies and I'm just like a worker with him. He's training me. And about an hour and he's like taking me under his wing, showing me, showing me stuff. And, and, and about an hour in, I, I took the pallet jack and we were going fast because he was quick. Right. And so, and I nailed, I took the pallet jack and I nailed a plastic bin and it shattered. It was so loud and it shattered everywhere. It was super demoralizing and embarrassing. And T what happened next changed everything because T my trainer, people came out of the woodworks like, what just happened? People were like, what? And, and T jumped up and he's like, my bad. I'm going to see if I can take, there's a picture, right? I'm going to pull up a picture. I can show you, just get a little visual of, of this, of him and see if I can get it quickly while I'm telling this story. And he, he patted his chest and he's like, my bad, that's on me. I didn't show him. And, and I don't want to take away from the story, but here it is. I found it that quick. All right. And he just, he took the bullet. This guy right here, T, this was me a couple, yeah, this was me a couple months later with him when I came back to the warehouse to just say what's up. But he, he took a bullet and was like, on me, everybody. I didn't show him. Yeah. And so he's like, then he like took the time and he's like, hey, when we're going around these corners, you got to go wide. You know, it's maybe, and he like, he like completely took a bullet for me. Let me save face. And I'm like, that's the kind of leader that I would follow to where like I keep tabs on him and like I'm going back and be, he's like my man. I would, I love this guy. And as leaders, when the people we lead believe that we would take a bullet for them, man, that changes everything in our ability yeah. to lead them, inspire them. No, it's, it's so true. I think about, you know, leaders who are willing to look bad for me, leaders who are willing to stay late on a Friday for me, leaders who are willing to do stuff. And again, for me, this is back to this. It's like, it's all about exceeding expectations. People who are willing to do stuff for me that was not just expected because they were my boss. Do you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. like earned my undying love. You know what I mean? Right? 100%. And, you know, I want to go back to this idea of the transition from sales rep to leader, right? Because, I mean, how many entrepreneurs were like, we were really good at selling something. So then we started a company because we knew we could generate the revenue, right? Yes. Yes. Boss, most of us, a whole bunch of us, <laughs> right? Like there's like two yep. guys. There's like the technician who's like, they're a great graphic designer. And so they start an advertising agency, you know, they're, they're a great accountant. So they start an accounting firm. Right. And, and then there's that other side of like, there's a lot of folks who are like, they're in an industry. They're the one bringing in the clients and they're like, well, I could just hire everybody else and uh, keep a lot more of this margin for myself. Right. And plus salespeople <laughs> yep. are like, you know, naturally pretty entrepreneurial. Right. And then it's like, it's hard for us to have patience with people who maybe aren't at our octane level. There's so many things that are like intuitive for us. We're like, why can't they do that? Or there's like things that we're like, we think are no big deal. Like we made the money and the accountant or the, the project managers lo losing their mind. Like what, you know, how could we have messed things up that bad? We're like, I don't think it was that bad. We got the check. Like we're fine people. Right. <laughs> and so I know that I've minimized other people's concerns about like, you know, I, I've had team members just mortified that I would put stuff out with spelling mistakes you know, like that reflects on a, that's bad professionalism on all of us and stuff. And I'm like, oh, who cares? We're going to get the business, you know? And they're just like <laughs> beside themselves. Right. And I'm not, I'm not as patient, right? I'm, I, I've discounted them. You know what I mean? Because as the sales rep, I don't care. We got the money. Right. And just my yeah. value system. Like, I don't mean like morality values. I mean, just like what's important to me is different than them. And so 
you know, I think about this, this saying that could really get away from people. Like there's two jobs, there's sales and there's sales support, you know, there's people who feel, who feel like whole companies are that. And in certain ways I can get that. And then in other ways that could really get away from people, arrogance, ego, you know, definitely. What, what would you say about any of that? You know, I, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but what, one of the things for me is, is that, that what, like, what's the pathway to, to go from being great at sales to being great as a leader. And I, 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 those who are listening without the video aren't be able to see this, but what, what I'm showing on screen here is what I call the sellership system, how to go from selling to leading. And it's a seven step framework that, that I've, I've developed over the years to help somebody create cross the bridge of, of being great themselves and being, being great at helping other people be great. And, and I think you're right because it go, it transcends sales leaders. It's, it's anybody think about like dentists, a, a dentist who's been in school for 12 years and is really good at being a dentist. And then all of a sudden they get a practice and now they lead a team and it's, you know, it's like, well, no, just do this. And they've spent 12 years in school and like doing the, but, but the, the leadership component isn't necessarily now some are great leaders naturally but it isn't necessarily translation and so there's there's i found the seven absolute no misses absolute essential strategies skills and principles that that i've put together in, in what i call the sellership system and and I've, I've put pieces of that in my book and i do a digital course back back of it but i've just found that that transition to 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 make that successful leap into leadership. It takes just a, a, a few skills. And one of them is kind of like the four laws of leadership we were just, we were just talking about. And another one is just the, the essence of what you shared of when you were in line at the grocery store, because it goes from like, oh no, I just got to take care of this dentist in my seat, or I got to take care of this sales job, take care of me and do this thing to, from me to we, right? And just that awareness and seeing people as human beings at a fundamental level is one of the keys to effective leadership. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you again, a hard thing for me is like, even just that language, like my temptation is to say, I, I, I and my, like it just, I don't know. I don't know how much of it is nature, nurture, whatever, but I've got habits of, I've got habits of most of my language saying I or my instead of our, you know, and definitely. And what's funny is just correcting myself. Like, you know, kind of like stopping myself mid-sentence and going our, our mm. company, our fund, our show, right? It, it, I feel like it has this effect on my whole mindset. Like taking mm. the time to correct myself, it's kind of like, I'm almost like putting myself on notice. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Because yep. I think I have, you know, a task, fo- task, task focused nature often. And because I intentionally pursue things that maybe I have uh, an above average skill set at, it can be easy to believe like I'm above average. I'm the one who matters in this story. I, I'm the one who's going to get it done. You know what I mean? And in certain cases, that's not even inaccurate. Like I am the one with the special skill set for that thing. And this is still our team. And this is still our yes. show we're building together. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, definitely. so I feel like it's like one of the things that's helped me keep myself in check a little. Well, listen, if people want to find out about the book, they want to find out about your keynote speeching, your coaching and stuff, where, where's the best places? 
Best place, I'm all over in social media and LinkedIn and Facebook, but the, the best place would just be benward.com. That would connect you in with the coaching and the speaking and the training and workshops and my book. You can buy my book right there. So benward.com. And my, my favorite question of late, what's one of the best pieces of advice you ever received? Wow, I love that. You know, I think while we're pursuing whatever it is that we're moving towards, inevitably, we're going to have the world around us telling us we can't do it. We're going to have every reason why it shouldn't work out. And we're going to have, listen, you, you can't be successful at you know selling and then also be successful at leading other people in sales. You're going to have the world tell you just all the messages of, of why you should quit. And Brian Tracy, my mentor, I had, I had the chance to, to look him in the eye after a steak dinner that we had together before he did a training. And I asked him that, that very question. And to, to this day, it still remains one of the most valuable piece of advice that I've, that I've gotten. I want to pass on to, to, to you, to your listeners here. And, and he said, I'm like, Brian, if I was your son and you knew I was committed to success, what <laughs> advice would you give? And he, he looked at me in the eyes like, there's two. He said, first, you know, first, continuous continuously learn. He said, if you'll continuously learn, you'll continue to rise above the challenges that you're facing. You'll continue to move forward. You continuously learn. And the second one that's back of that is don't quit. And he's like, don't quit. And here's the thing. Make sure your ladder's on a, on a foundation, a strong foundation, leaning against a wall that a wall that, that you're proud of, that you want to be a part of and that you respect. Sometimes the walls crumble and sometimes you're going to have to pivot and change, but make sure that you're, that you, he's like, make sure your ladder's hanging on, the, on, a, on a solid foundation against a strong wall and don't quit. And for me, I found all of the, the fear, the uncertainty, the doubt that creeps up to all of our minds, the FUD, right? You got to pluck the FUD, the fear, the uncertainty, the doubt, and, and by one of the best ways, best advice, I've been kind of long-winded on this, but one of the best ways is, is continuous, continuous learning and relentless pursuit and to not quit and keep going. You know, it's funny. Again, this, this really has become my favorite question. And it, it's interesting how often the advice I get from folks, it's not like starkly unique. It's not like something people have never heard, but when somebody expresses it with such conviction and you can tell they've tried to live it, it just takes on new meaning for me. You know, like, like I haven't heard don't quit a million times in my life. Like I haven't, right. yeah. like I haven't heard like the value of continuous learning. Right. But it's like, yeah. when it's like on a poster from the HR lady stuck on a wall it, versus somebody who's like, you know, built 2000 person companies, take it public, lost it all built back up again. Do you know what I mean? Like this idea of don't quit, like seeing you, ha seeing you actually live it, you know, and through our conversations, like you are a consummate learner. Like one thing I do think is interesting about you is you, you're very accomplished. You're well-known in your space and you are like one of the most humble leaders. I think about our, some of our friends in common, Josh Steinle, other folks, like you are like so willing to set aside what you already know to figure out what he's saying that you don't know. And uh, anyways, I admire that about you. Well, it takes one to know one, right? And that's, I would say the same thing about you. You're a massive learner and that's, I've seen your success and being, being your friend and being part of just, you know, seeing your journey and what you're up to is just super exciting. I, I really appreciate you having me on here. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been fun. 
Well, everybody, go go buy Ben's book. I already bought it myself. And, and thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Thank you.